Hello, and welcome to Community Voice. This is Thomas Lynn, COO of Console Your Community. Console Your Community brings together students at top universities across America and small businesses in their communities to work together, solve problems, and find inspiration through one another. Hi, and welcome to Community Voice number four. This week, we have the Georgia Tech team who worked with the Delju Art Group. Delju Art Group is located in Atlanta, and they actually make frames for fine art pieces, luxury art pieces. Uh, this week is a really interesting look into how you can take something um, you know, like art and, and put it into a more business context, and, and then bringing it even further back, looking at it from the framework of engineers at, at our Georgia Tech team. And they really try to place an, an onus on, you know, both respecting the craft of, of this very kind of qualitative pursuit, but, but also applying more quantitative engineering-esque approaches to analyzing it as a, as a company. Uh, it's a really interesting look into you know, that, that dichotomy between a business that relies on creativity and somewhat, you know, ethereal, qualitative uh, aspects, marrying that with the analysis from the business and industrial engineering perspective. And at the end, we will have a uh, short preview of the following uh, Community Voice episode, which will be uh, the She Will marketing team, again, from Emory. Thanks, and, and as always, you know, feel free to shoot us an email at communityvoice at consultyourcommunity.org. We really appreciate the feedback. Uh, you know, subscribe, share this with a friend. Um, it, it helps us and, and helps us do what we do. Great. So welcome to Community Voice number four. Um, and, and we have the Georgia Tech team, actually, which, which had the client, the Delju Art Group, from last semester. Uh, I think we have Ford and Ryan on the phone. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, we're doing great. How doing, are you? doing great. Awesome. Awesome guys. I expect no less from the Georgia tech team. Um, Hey, so, so first of all, guys, can, can I, we get like a short intro into both of you? So, um, obviously your name, your major, um, and then, and then kind of one interesting quirky fact about yourself that will tell the listeners a little bit more about both of you. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, so I'm Ford Croft. I'm a fourth year industrial engineering major at Georgia Tech. Um, so obviously super cool. Uh, industrial engineering's definitely played a lot into you know my history at CYC. Um, currently, this is my fifth semester at CYC. I did two as a business analyst um, when I was a sophomore, two as a project leader. And then this semester, I'm actually the VP of development. Um, so I was a project leader for Delju Art Group last semester. Um, super exciting. The quirky fact about me, um, I love traveling. I've had a, uh, a lot of cool experiences. Um, most recently, I went down to uh, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil for uh, right before the Olympics. So that was super cool. And then uh, I'm Ryan Connolly, uh, second year industrial engineering major here at Georgia Tech. Uh, it is my currently my third semester in CYC. So last semester at Del Gio was my first as a uh, business analyst. And then I'm a business analyst as well again this semester. Uh, I guess a fun little fact about me, uh, this summer, I actually did the running of the bulls in Spain. So I ran from some large bulls. 
That's that's great. Um, so so Ford, I, I assume with a first name like that, you didn't really have a lot of options. You had to go into something kind of industrial uh, engineering esque. Like there there wasn't a lot you know you could do after after your parents gave you that name. Uh, great first name though. Just a lot of pressure. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Whenever I uh, go anywhere, I say Ford like the car, and then everyone gets it immediately if they don't understand it yeah. first. There we go. There we go. So um so guys, I. I, I read over um, your final deliverable, and and I think this one is is really interesting in in both that you kind of were doing interesting stuff, but also just the premise. Um, I know I know that a lot of people when they think of CYC and consulting small businesses probably don't think about like a fine art you know group or, or people who focus on the fine art space. You know that's something that's relegated to like you know, the, the Guggenheim or something. Um, so, so can you guys just talk a little bit about, you know, what is the story behind the Delju Art Group? Yeah, so Delju Art Group was founded uh, in 1981. So they've been around for a while. Um, and that's a little bit different than a lot of the projects that we typically see, which kind of, kind of makes it an interesting project because a lot of times our projects are, you know, they're small businesses in the Atlanta area. Maybe they've been around for five years tops. Um, but working with a more established business, I think, was was both a challenge and super interesting. Um, and definitely the art the art aspect was super new. Uh, nobody on the team really had any experience. There was no like art majors or big art gurus. Um, so that was really cool as we were learning about the process. Um, so to give you a little bit more information about Delju, they're basically a B two B art supplier. Um, so if you're a hotel or an office building and you needed art in bulk to put up on the walls, really cool, um, funky, cool art, um, you would come to Delju. Um, so that was a little bit about Delju. They're a super cool business, uh, and we had a great time with them. Awesome, awesome. So, so digging into this, um, first of all, how did how did the Georgia Tech chapter kind of get involved with Delju, and then and then more importantly, um, I, I'm assuming both of you were at the kind of first meeting with the client. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, how that happened. Um, you know, what did you guys talk about? Uh, did you feel totally out of your comfort zone? Like, were, were they just kind of mentioning art jargon and you guys were like, what is this guy saying or, or what is she saying? So, uh, so actually the way that we had done the, the initial scoping for this project was a little bit different. Um, the VP, the client engagements lead from the previous semester. So that would have been over the summer of 2016, um, was primarily in contact with them. So I wasn't actually in contact with them until about the first week of the semester, um, like end of August, 2016. Um, so I actually, in the initial scoping meeting was just me, um, the VP of client engagements and the president who had kind of been involved with them. So I came in a little bit later on the end of the scoping agreement. So I definitely kind of felt thrown into it a little bit because they had already talked a lot about the scope and a lot of what they wanted. And I kind of came in at the tail end, but we were able to figure it out. Um, I think Ryan can talk a little bit more. So once we had done that, in a few couple of weeks, once we had the team uh, solidified and we had all our BAs, we had an, another initial meeting to just acclimate the team um, and engage them in that way. So, but I think Ryan can talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So even though they are, you know, primarily they make the art and everything there, a large part of the business is actually building the frames themselves. And that's what kind of we were tasked to look at. Um, so we're kind of walking around the warehouse. They're giving us a tour and kind of showing us the uh, kind of flow of how the frame gets built. And they're just throwing all these terms at us that are framing specific terms that we've just never heard before. And we're like, it's kind of, you know, we're, we're asking multiple times, oh, and what was that thing again? What? And then uh, they're, they're kind of like getting, I mean, not quite um, 
they, they clearly knew that we didn't have a good grasp of the, <laughs> of the, you know, framing language. So that was definitely a challenge there at the beginning. But um, by the end, I'd say we, we had a pretty good grasp of all the you know, various terms and stuff, but it was definitely a lot thrown at us right at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, no, I imagine. And then, so, so after kind of that meeting, you know, you guys are catching your bearings. It sounds like, um, and and after you know, understanding, okay, what's the scope? What are they looking for? Um, how did you guys? First of all, what were the kind of key responsibilities and deliverables that that you guys you know defined and said this is what we're gonna do? And then and then how did you guys go about kind of tackling those on on like a very you know tactical level? Yeah, so like Ryan said, the the project was all about the framing process. Um, a lot of times they'd have bulk orders coming in, and there were just issues because the general manager didn't have much visibility into the framing process. Um, so they have this huge warehouse where they kind of have a path where a typical frame will take around um, where it starts, you know, with the frame being built and then finishes um, a few steps later with the art being fit into the frame itself. Um, but there was really just a lack of visibility in that regard was the initial the initial business um, problem that they were looking to solve. Um, and the general manager didn't really know where frames were in the process or how long certain stations were taking. Um, and they had some issues with a lot of early orders and a lot of late orders. So they were trying to just kind of get, catch their bearings there. Um, in terms of scoping, they had kind of defined those, those key points um, over the summer of 2016. So we came in after that meeting, we really just sat down as a team after the meeting where we took a tour of their framing facilities. And then we were able to um, kind of break down the scope. We, we were able to define some deliverables. We thought uh, they'd express interest in having some sort of tool to uh, track the framing process and where a specific order was in the, um, in the assembly line, basically. So we really broke that down to find that deliverable. Um, and then also we defined the deliverable of creating a sort of time study because really the problem was they didn't have an awareness of how long things were taking. Um, so we thought of the idea of a time study to just gather data um, to implement. So that was, that's how we initially broke it down from that meeting. Cool. And, and uh, so, so I'm assuming that, and, and as you kind of go through this, um, you know, questions are arising in, in my head, but, but I, I assume um, that, you know, there might have been a little bit of a of a shock or a struggle, um, at least intellectually, to kind of think about fine art like a business. And I don't know if, if that makes sense, but but you know, it's almost like um, as I said before, something kind of relegated to museums and 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 not really something where that can have a P and L, right? And and something that um, you can look at operational efficiency and, and cogs or, or look at an assembly line um, when thinking about it. Do you think that the, the business owner or, or the client um, and, and you guys kind of were able to mesh minds in adding both uh, you know, this element of being very good at the craft, but then someone coming at it from a completely different angle, looking at you know, fine art more, I guess, like a business? Yeah, so their general manager, he actually, um, his uh, degree was in industrial engineering as well, um, which I think kind of helped us mesh well um, in terms of, you know, being able to relate on that level, because um, he more so had come in to kind of help with this sort of task and kind of turn them around uh, from an industrial engineer standpoint. So everyone else, though, that we worked with were completely more, um, more on the art side. So we did kind of have that uh, liaison almost between the two groups. 
Yeah, yeah. So just to just to um, reiterate what Ryan said, um, I totally agree. Um, I, I originally thought that there was kind of going to be an issue with kind of bringing an, an industrial engineering optimization standpoint to art because just art, when you think about it, is so creative and it almost feels weird to give, you know, certain deadlines or things like that to an art process. It kind of feels unnatural, but we were actually pleasantly surprised that they ran their business very well. Um, they really approached it like a business. They had a good breakdown of business people and art people that work together very well. Um, and I think that that helped them a lot. Uh, they have a really cool business model. And like Ryan said, um, the general manager that we worked with had an IE background. So he was coming from it from almost the exact same standpoint that we originally, are, kind of our brains worked when we originally came into it. So that was super cool. That's great. Yeah, no, and, and I have to ask, so um, from that initial meeting, you know, and and as you got into the engagement, what were some things that, you guys took away from this kind of learning about fine art and, and I guess all of the, uh, you know, the meat and potatoes of, of what goes into that when, when we're just staring at a canvas, I don't think a lot of us think about how all of that got there. Right. We just think it was just an act of genius or, or something, but there are obviously a lot of components and pieces that have to go into putting all of that together. What, what did you guys kind of learn about that process? Um, I think I just learned the, just vast, you know, variability and all the different ways you can put together a frame for any given piece of art. Like they would have things coming through that would just be, I mean, kind of absurd, but, you know, they have to adapt and change and kind of alter their process for each specific piece just to make it exactly to the customer specifications, which um, was pretty cool. I thought, yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was surprised when I came in at how organized the entire process was. Um, I kind of thought of art as something where it's kind of created at a leisurely pace or in the, in the, you know, in a, in a way where the artist um, is kind of has control over it. But I really think that um, I was pleasantly surprised to see like how many different things went into the making of the art itself um, and how much thought and materials and everything went into a single frame. Uh, and just like Ryan said, when we were there for our original tour, we we're kind of getting the idea. So this is where, frame is created and this is where the art goes and they're like well, yes but also when we were there someone had a jersey that they were trying to figure out how to make into a frame and someone had like a hat from the 1600s that they were trying to figure out how they're going to mount in a frame um, so there's all these interesting one-offs that kind of happen throughout the process that kind of uh you have to think about from an optimization standpoint but we're also super cool um when you're in there thinking about all the different things that can be uh go into it yeah, no, that's that's really that's really interesting. The hat, the hat from the 1600s. I, I think that's really cool. Um, so, so in terms of you know, you guys, you guys go through this engagement. You've done your research. Um, you know what you know after after kind of getting the scoping defined for you know what you're going to do. Um, so, give us a little bit more detail and insight into what your final recommendations were. Um, so, you know recommendations and then also solutions I, I know you had mentioned they wanted access to some sort of program or machine to kind of track um you know the assembly line and and these frames kind of where they are in their in their stage so talk a little bit about your final recommendations slash solutions that you brought forward to the client yeah so we had an interesting approach um, with the way that we tackle these business problems and created deliverables um, a lot of the problems that they were facing uh, were around kind of um, a doc documentation aspect. 
and that they had this entire process that they they personally knew and the art manager knew and the framing manager knew but they were never anywhere on paper and they kind of had an idea of how long specific things took but they were also never documented or there was no data gathered so we kind of took the perspective of coming at it we had our original business challenges of the lack of visibility and the 10 percent of late orders um so before we thought about the final deliverables um we really thought it was important to do some current state discovery um and this took a while with our with our um this took almost the entire semester honestly the data gathering aspect just because we had to create data um, i think that's something that cyc projects can see a lot um, a lot of small businesses you know they're they get so caught up in the day-to-day -day, um, activities of the business that it's hard to place an importance on data um, so we a big part of our project was manufacturing that data so we um, had the del deliverable of creating this time study where we had um, the workers there sign um, a piece of paper basically um, on a clipboard that said how long a specific uh, task took just to give a solid idea of how long and the variability. Um, from there, we also were able to create a process flow um, just to document what they already had and get it on paper so it'd be um, more standard across the board. Um, and then from there, we moved on to the final deliverables of the Excel tool. We created Excel tool. So originally they came to us in the scoping meeting and they basically had a tool. I think it was uh, it was to track um, how long orders might take, but they basically weren't happy with the tool um, and were looking to switch. And they said that they were in the process of looking for a tool that could actually you know, be more built to their specifications. But they basically wanted us to do a kind of intermediate um, kind of bubble gum and tape tool that maybe wouldn't, you know, be there in the long term, but that could, they could use in the short term to get an idea uh, of their process. So we were able to create that in Excel. Um, it obviously wasn't as professional as we wanted it to be just because that would take a lot of coding and everything, but uh, we were able to create, uh, you know, a working a working um, tool in Excel. And then also uh, Ryan was took the lead on future state recommendations and basically just taking what we had found in our data gathering stage and putting in recommendations such as cross-training, um, and things like that, things to do with the employees and how the, the room itself was set up. Yeah. So, so Ryan, I, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that, but um, I, I think that's one thing that, you know, we at CYC see a lot um, that really, I think, delineates, you know, a, a small business from, you know, a large corporation is, is that documentation of, of processes and kind of that, that systematization where, where, you know, it's not all incumbent upon one person or two or three people to have it in their mind. And, and you have manuals and you have processes that, you know, are on, are on paper or, or PDFs, you know, and, and that's definitely something that, that I think delineates one from the other and allows expansion and, and growth and, and sustainability, long run sustainability. Um, but Ryan, I'd like to kind of hear a little bit more about um, just general setup and, and, you know, the, the, almost the ergonomics of, of the frame making, um, you know, factory or, or, or warehouse, um, or whatever it was that future state recommendation. Yeah, definitely. So, um, what we kind of like Ford touched on, they had literally no data, um, at first. So it started out with us just, you know, physically me and Ford going in there and with, you know, timing them ourselves, timing the employees ourselves, just to kind of get a better understanding and knowledge. And basically, uh, we divided it up into, um, there were five main stages or you know areas that the frame went through. 
starting at the wood shop, then stretching, then finishing, matting, and finally fitting, where then it uh, met the actual art. So they basically get the frame through this whole life cycle process, and then it meets the art that's being you know painted or whatever you know it's being done to it, and then they meet at the final stage. So we kind of noticed that between the matting and fitting points, those last two stages, there was a very clear bottleneck. Um, so we kind of wanted to approach that and definitely uh, look at that problem area, which is kind of what led us to the whole cross-training conclusion. So um, they have a couple employees there at the fitting station. And again, this is that uh, you know kind of framing in industry jargon, um, but it's essentially just where it kind of comes together at the end. And that they were, had uh, orders kind of piling up between there. So we looked at the two individual employees and kind of broke down um, all their various numbers. And we broke it down by small, medium, and large frames and kind of decided that um, one of the particular employees showed you know, a little more um, aptitude uh, with the framing uh, process. So we recommended that he be able to cross-train and learn how to the specific process of matting um, for the smaller frames. So that would you know, end up speeding up the process and uh, that kind of allowed them to see really where their problem areas were because like we said, they, they had no way to visualize it before we kind of came in and found this you know, preliminary data. Yeah, and just to add one thing that I thought was really interesting when we were first learning about the process was so they have this, as Ryan touched on the five steps of framing. So basically the frame would be created simultaneously while the piece of art itself was either painted or built in the digital studio. Um, and they would meet in the final process of fitting, as Ryan said. Um, but a lot of the variability that we saw in that in that station wasn't even necessarily due to the framing process, but also the creation of the art taking longer or shorter than it was supposed to. So there was actually a lot of stuff that we kind of realized was out of the hands almost of the um, of the framers because they had to work so closely with the the actual creators of the art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I I. Um... I, for some reason, every time you say framers, keep thinking of like the framers of the constitution and, and have to remember <laughs> that now they're just, they're just making, you know, art, art frames here. Um, cool. So, so that shows how politically charged we are right now, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, question I have, um, you know, how did, how did the client respond? So, so these seem like rather, um, I don't want to say, you know, small scale, but these don't seem like really revolutionary, huge changes. It seems like, you know, you guys were giving them access to data and and the ability to kind of have more insight, which is what they're asking to asking for. How did how did Delju kind of respond to these recommendations, especially kind of the future state recommendations? And and then finally, did they did they implement them? Yeah. So I definitely thought with well, a business have been, been, been around for 35 years like Delju had. It was definitely hard to create those revolutionary ideas, but I think we were able to give them a very, you know, a lot more insight into what they were doing, which I think was one of, that was obviously our main goal from the beginning, but I think that was super cool. Um, I think that our two final deliverables of the Excel tool and the future state recommendations went over pretty well. Um, Ryan can touch on this in a bit, but I think that the that the future state recommendations were almost more valuable um, because they re- those were really our discoveries from our, from our um, time study processes. And those were like cool things that they didn't really know about cross training or how many employees were working at a certain time that those were kind of those really cool insights. I think that we did a really good job with the Excel tool. I just think that I don't think that it's been implemented. And I think it was just because it's so tough. It's almost a full-time job for someone to be inputting this on Excel and tracking it and making sure that more data is being put in. 
And it's just a lot of work that's hard with the number of employees that they had when they have so much other stuff to do. Um, and I think that what kind of their long-term goal of getting a software that would automatically do it would almost be better. Um, so I think that was kind of an issue we faced with that. Um, and then again, I think one of the biggest challenges that we had was just how long it took for us to be there to physically watch, um, you know, art move through and frames move through the process that, you know, with five people with a busy school schedule, it was, it was tough to get people there to observe, especially because to get any meaningful data, you really need a lot of, you know, observations. So the standard deviations aren't crazy. Um, but I think that was our business challenge, biggest challenges. But I think Ryan can touch, touch a little bit more about his work on the, um, the future process recommendations. Yeah, and especially they weren't too extreme of recommendations, I think, just because of the fact that we were dealing with, you know, just initial data and um, something that if we kind of took that a little too far, it, we might not get, you know, the correct results because we're just looking at a snapshot, you know, this one semester when we're there. Or if they are now focused towards, you know, uh, adding more data and kind of going down that path, um, they're going to get more out of it. So that's something that they were definitely excited about. Um, and then in terms of the actual deliverables here with the future state recommendations, um, we basically just, yeah, laid it out and had, you know, averages and standard deviations for each of those stations as well. Um, so they could really look and see where the time was being spent for each particular frame. Um, and then, uh, yeah, pretty much just like I touched on before with comparing the individual employees, because they um, actually, something that I thought was pretty interesting was that the floor manager who we worked with kind of closely there, he was pretty much on, on board with us with everything that we were kind of finding and kind of seeing from the data because he saw it on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, it kind of contrasted with the general manager who, you know, like we said, from an industrial engineering background, he kind of almost didn't understand it to the same level that the floor manager did. Um, so I think he was kind of maybe surprised at a couple of things that um, the guy on the floor had been telling him in the past. And we actually were able to confirm some of those uh, problems. And I think it kind of definitely opened his you know, eyes to seeing what was really going on. Yeah, I think what, I think the almost one of the biggest impacts we had was just reinforcing that it's important to remain data driven. I think a lot of businesses, you know, you get, become so accustomed to the day to day that it's hard to place an importance on having data and being uh, having knowledge about your process. But just like Ryan said, I think that the floor manager, he'd been working there for five plus years. So he obviously had a good idea of what was happening. But a lot of what we did was just give him data and give him reasons to back up his beliefs that he could then bring um, to the manager and other things and say, this data has backed up what I've been saying. And um, I think so. That's I think that was something really cool um, that they continue to work with. Yeah, I I, I think. Um... You know, you know, you're talking to some some Georgia Tech students when standard deviation is mentioned several times, um, <laughs> and kind of the, the final recommendations. That's that's great. I, I love the statistical um, honesty. So, so two things I wanted to ask both of you, um, which you've kind of already hit on, but but I think are really interesting points. Uh, so, you know, Ford, you had mentioned that you know it's it's difficult when you're working with a business that has you know 30 years or, or several decades behind it to implement kind of large changes so you guys had an appreciation for the kind of age and, and life cycle of this company or this business uh 
broadly speaking, uh, you know, we have a lot of CYC engagements that circle around startups and, and, you know, at that point it's almost Plato and, and there's a lot more you can do, you know, what are kind of key, um, differences and, and important, you know, factors and, and recommendations to remember when going into a company that has, you know, several decades under its belt versus going in and just trying to, you know, shake up the shake up the entire edifice of the company. It's been around for, you know, an extended period of time. I think it's especially important. It's important with a startup too, but I think it's especially important to take your time um, to really learn about the business itself before you jump into, you know, defining deliverables or key takeaways or things like that. Um, so I think it's really mindful to, you know, show the client that you're really thinking about um, their business and what they've been doing, what they've put their life into. Um, so I think it's important to take that time to really learn about what they do um, and then be mindful of the fact that any recommendations that you say that are going to you know, shake things up might not be taken well by some people um, because it affects their job and affects what, the way that they've been thinking for you know, 10 plus years. Um, and that's not to say that you that it's you shouldn't have those ideas and shouldn't say those things, but I think it's important to you know acknowledge the fact that if things have been a certain way for a certain number of years, it's more difficult um, to reach those major major revolutions and major changes. Um, so I think that's that's something that's important to think about. But then, yeah, I think what also helped those they were so open to mm-hmm. any suggestions that we had and really mm-hmm. wanting to look, you know, improve their business and didn't really care about, you know, how it's been done in the past. I mean, obviously there still is, you know, respect for that and they have their things set up perfect, you know, not perfectly, but they have um, their operations, you know, day to day pretty flawlessly. I mean, but they wanted to just take that to the next level Mm -hmm. and really were open to what we had to say, which Mm -hmm. definitely helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to, you know, have in the same frame, hats from hats from the 1600s and then um you know startups but but we've managed to kind of stick it into to to one podcast so that's great um if if you guys could have done something differently about this engagement either internally kind of from your team's standpoint um or or just generally in the way that you dealt with um, you know, this engagement and recommendations in the small business. Um, then for each of you, kind of what would it have been? As in, what are some recommendations for other CYC teams? I think that um, when I heard that question, I think the first thing my mind went to was the initial scoping process. I think that it was kind of tough because the team was thrown in at kind of the tail end, like once the scope had been determined where the team didn't really have much say about what was going to happen. Um, and that relied mostly on the client um, engagements leader. But I think that that's something that we've worked on this semester too, is getting um, the actual team and the project leader more involved from the scoping standpoint. Um, I think that there were some things like, I think that they kind of expected us to be at the company like every, at least a couple times a week to be taking data. And I think that that was something tough. I mean, everyone on the team had a super busy schedule and it was was about 20 minutes away. So it was tough to get everyone together at like 11 a.m. on a Thursday to go over there. Um, So I think that, kind of that beginning scoping process is super important for CYC teams to think about um, what is manageable over the course of the semester and what isn't. Um, and, you know, defining expectations from the beginning and really getting that scoping process uh, hammered down. Yeah, I would definitely um, agree with what Ford was saying there because um, almost, you know, we are Georgia Tech students and we have, you know, industrial engineering 
uh, backgrounds and whatnot. But, you know, we still are college students and do not have the full, um, I guess, utilities to provide, you know, what we if if we had the resources, what we could have possibly done. Um, so I think that's definitely important, like from the get go to maybe explain just so they know, you know, not to get their hopes up too much, but still so we can provide them with all that we can, you know, within the uh, scope of, you know, what we have. Yeah, so kind of a, an under promise, over deliver type type mentality. Also, and kind of a more uh, positive note, uh, what did what did both of you find to be the most fulfilling part of the engagement? You know, you both kind of came into this from a perspective of not knowing much about the space and sector, uh, but but after being done with this engagement, what was the most fulfilling part of it for both of you? We were able to, you know, re- relay to them how we think they can improve their business. And we're, you know, at the, you know, boardroom table and they're, you know, you know, genuinely taking everything that we have to say and uh, actually wanting uh, the general manager actually wanted us to continue on and kind of go uh, for even more and wanted to us to keep, you know, giving more recommendations. But obviously the scope was only for, uh, the semester, but that was pretty um, exciting to hear that feedback from him. Yeah, I think walking away from the uh, the final meeting, as Ryan was saying, was super fulfilling for me. Um, I was super proud of what the team did over the course of the semester. Uh, I mean, at the end, we we're throwing out terms like matting and mounting and glazing uh, that I had no idea what really meant from the course of the semester. So I think sitting in that meeting and seeing not only myself, but the team, you know, cutting it up with uh, these art people was uh, super cool. Um, I think bringing that, you know, that statistical and maybe like an industrial engineering mindset to something as creative as art, I think was super fulfilling. Um, and you really see that you can apply, you can, you know, there's huge uh, applications for these things. And you can, uh, it's cool to th- see things that you might not think would go together at first, but really work out and, you know, end positively and having that uh, final meeting. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, I think, I think what's most interesting is that I think there's a general um, juxtaposition between you know fine art and, and the creative process, and and the assumption that technology and and broadly you know statistics can kind of you know tear away at at that. Um, but but in this situation, it it sounds very much like you guys made that a much better um, and, and more fulfilling thing. Um, using using technology and regressions and, and statistics, so that I think that's a really cool perspective. Um, hey, so so Ford and and Ryan, you know, thanks so much for jumping on the line. And obviously, uh, from us at CYC National, it's it's always a pleasure and and inspiring to kind of hear these stories and and hear about the great work that you guys are doing. So thanks for jumping on, guys. Definitely, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Thomas. I hope you enjoyed the episode from our Georgia Tech team who consulted the Dell Jew Art Group. Really interesting kind of uh, mixture of quantitative and qualitative analysis in that episode. So as promised, next Community Voice will be uh, a return, we're still in Atlanta, but a return to our Emory team who consulted She Will, and this will be from the marketing perspective. So we heard the curriculum development team talk about what they did this team will be focused much more on how they marketed that work uh, that went into curriculum development, especially how to make a fantastic one-pager. Was there ever a moment where someone was like, 
I'm really good at that. I'm taking the phone. And someone else is like, no, you're not. I, I'm taking them. She said something about needing a one pager and Matt immediately was like, I can do that. I can do that. And then he started kind of like drilling her down on him, who she would want to send that to, like what kind of stuff she would want in it and whatnot. Matt, you're kind of the, you're kind of the, the one pager expert. Was it just like, I mean, anything else? go to these guys, but you need a one pager. I'm your guy. Yeah. I think I'm kind of good at condensing information. Um, I don't, I think growing up, I didn't really like to read much. So I, I, I would get information really quickly. So I kind of got good at just giving the summary of things. So that's definitely my expertise. And I jumped on that as, as soon as I knew she wanted that. <laughs> That's great. I, I think that Cliff's notes uh, may have may have some openings if if you know, <laughs> it doesn't work out post graduation. Thank you for listening to Community Voice. If you wish to support Consult Your Community, then please go to the How You Help tab on our website at consultyourcommunity.org. dot